Friends, hi, it's really good to be with you again. Thanks for the invitation. And uh, greeting to, uh, greetings to you from uh, Lakehampton Baptist in Cheltenham. We are uh, zooming away. We have uh, a new minister who's doing very well under the strange circumstances. So Mark chapter three. Well, the first thing that strikes you in this passage is that there's a lot going on. There are family tensions, there are conflicts. There's a bit about Satan and demons and Beelzebub. There's the sin against the Holy Spirit. You know, there are a lot of big ideas here, but it's not just thrown together. It's a very carefully told story and it all hangs together. So I want you to see firstly how it's bookended by Jesus's family. At this um, point in his ministry, he's very popular. He's casting out demons and he's drawing crowds and he's attracting followers. So it sort of starts with his family very worried about him. Um, as far as we know, he just lived quietly in Nazareth for the last 30 years and suddenly he has turned into a sort of celebrity and who knew where that would end up. So his family send to try to get him to stop. They think he's gone crazy. And then at the end of the story, after Jesus has had an argument with the teachers of the law, his family actually arrive, his mother and his brothers. But when he's told that they're there, he says something extraordinary. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So we'll, we'll come back to that. But what has happened in the meantime to bring on that extraordinary, well, it's almost an out outburst. And it is this dialogue between Jesus and the teachers of the law. They can't bear to think that he is doing things better than they can because uh, they already know that he's not a strict Sabbath keeper. And uh, that was how you knew if somebody was keeping the rules. So what is the explanation? Um, if he wasn't getting his power from God, he must be getting it from the devil, from Beelzebub, uh, his, his nickname. And Jesus says three things. First, he says that's absolute rubbish because they are sort of talking about a, a sort of demonic civil war and uh, a kingdom or a household divided against itself couldn't stand. Uh, and actually evil was still powerful. The second thing he says is that Jesus himself was stronger. The only way to plunder a house with a strong man inside it is to be stronger still. And every time Jesus cast out a demon or healed somebody, he was robbing Satan of his prey. And the third thing was, if you really believe that Jesus is evil, there is no way back for you. So I have three questions for you this morning. Question one is, have you joined the family? The point is about that, that bookend story of Jesus is this, it's not what you're born into that determines whether you're for him or against him, it's what you choose. And it's worth pausing on just how shocking Jesus's words were in the first century, because family was everything. You know, without a family, your life was incredibly precarious. Your family was your tribe, your clan. They were the ones who always had your back. You know, if you had a family, they looked after you when you were ill and you looked after them. If you couldn't work because you were old, they fed you and cared for you. Family loyalty was huge. And here was Jesus saying, well, you know, those ties don't mean anything to me. The people who are doing the will of God, living in the kingdom of God, they are the ones who are my family. And that's a really hard saying. 
The temptation is to water it down. Of course, he didn't really mean that. He was exaggerating, wasn't he? I'm always kind of suspicious of anything that softens Jesus's challenges. Uh, what did he mean? Well, he wasn't seriously saying that Christians should separate themselves from their families. Mark 7, he talks about our responsibilities to our families, but there is a, a unity between Christians that is absolutely unique. Paul says we are one body. We have a saying, blood is thicker than water, you know, family first, no matter what. But, but Jesus turns that on his head. The water of baptism is thicker than blood. We share something with fellow Christians that we don't share even with those who are closest to us, with whom we share everything else. And that commitment is life changing. And, you know, we want to be welcome and warm and loving and all the rest of it. But but Jesus calls his followers to take up their cross. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said when Christ calls a man, he calls him to come and die. I sometimes think about a woman I knew at my first church. She didn't come from a church background and she started coming to church, uh, to church services. And, you know, we put on baptismal classes and she came to those. She was a spiritual seeker. At the end of the series, I said I would contact the, the half dozen people there that week to see who wanted to be baptised. And I said, you know, this is a life changing decision for you. And five of them said yes. And she said no. And we didn't see her again. And I've often thought, well, you know, could I have handled that differently? Was it my fault? And probably I could, possibly it was. But, you know, in the end, we choose to be part of the family of God. It is the most important choice we will ever make. So that's the first question. Are you part of the family? Second question, how are your burglary skills? Jesus said, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. So when Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom, when he cast out demons and healed and restored people, he was confronting the power of darkness. He was taking evil on. He was breaking into the stronghold of Satan and tying him up and burgling the house because that's what it takes. The power of evil is strong and you need somebody stronger to overcome it. And this encounter takes place after Jesus has commissioned his 12 disciples to go and do what he has been doing. You know, the, the apostles are named at the end of the previous chapter. And we aren't named in scripture, obviously, but God knows our names and God calls us by name to go and do what Jesus did. And the gospel is not just about saving people from, it's about saving them for for mission, for purpose. And I said that following him was a life-changing decision. Well, changed lives change lives. And we are called to go into those dark places and rob them of their victims, of their captives, and bring them out into the light again. We're living through a, a very dark time at the moment. You know, COVID is not over. There's a lot of loneliness, a lot of grief and pain and fear. A lot of people are really struggling with family life or employment or, or money or just the sense of being cooped up and, and limited in what they can do and where they can go. And you might feel that there's nothing much we can do and there might not be anything really dramatic. 
but you know we can be creative we can book a zoom call with somebody we can offer online learning support if you know a parent struggling or, or give to a food bank or write a letter remember those and as long as we are in the world no one we know should feel that they have to go through this alone because evil is strong but Jesus is even stronger and when we take up that cross when we join that community we are signing up to that raid on the enemy stronghold the third question is this does Jesus matter to you Jesus says there is an unforgivable sin a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and that's a terrifying thought and I know that people you know maybe people with poor mental health can can latch onto this and obsess about it and all I'd say to people like that is that if you're worried that you have committed the unforgivable sin it is a sure sign that you have not committed it but the same at the same time what had happened was that people had seen the the wonderful things that Jesus had done and they had said this is demonic and they were calling good evil and when your values are so twisted that you're incapable of seeing God at work and when you insist that black is white and up is down and you have a, a, a settled opposition to what God is doing then you know maybe you can't be forgiven because you don't think there's anything to forgive and maybe there are people like that I am more worried about a different kind of person because the truth is that hardly anybody has a bad word to say about Jesus nowadays you know people say very hard things about the church but not about Jesus so maybe there is no unforgivable sin that that battle has been won but you know the saying that the opposite of love isn't hatred it's indifference and indifference is a much harder nut to crack than hatred and I've come to think that the main task of the church today isn't to show that Jesus is true or that God exists. It's to show that Jesus matters, that he makes a difference, that the world is different because of Jesus. And that sense of community, of belonging to a family joined by eternally powerful bonds, and that sense of purpose, of changing the world for good, might just be what we need to make the difference because Jesus' family is our family and Jesus' mission is our mission. Amen.